Amen, amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise, everybody. What a blessing it is to be here. It is so evident that we need God. It is so evident that, that God is, is our refuge and our strength in times of trouble. Thank you to Hope Nation. God bless you. Good to see you today. Um, and thank all of you, whether you are here or online, for being faithful. Being faithful through the, your, the hard times, being faithful through the tough times, being faithful. Because as you hear the testimonies of people that are struggling, you start to realize you were never by yourself. There's something about who we are and how we were brought up to be very personal. But in that personal stance that we take, we miss the opportunity of real socialization that will help build us up. So we are thankful today to be here, to be a part of his, of his word. We're thankful today to be a part of healing today. Been saying it over and over again. And I think I've become old enough to realize where not through age, but now through some experience that everybody that's smiling, not happy. And everybody who's crying is not necessarily sad. But there's something that we, we must do for ourselves today. So I thank you for our praise and worship today. Thank you, Tanya, for your testimony, how you shared your life, because some people don't want to let people know I need help. Because we've been brought up to always show yourself in a good light. Thank you for Anita and Kelly for sharing their testimonies today. For if you ain't had a bad day yet, you got some you got some coming. And we have to deal with those. There was something that said on the video today that I want to address because it was said in jest, but it's actually true. It was said comedically, but it's actually serious. And I want to share that with you this morning. And so I ask that you get in a place where you can be very focused today because my hopes is that we can help somebody, not make them happy, but hopefully make them holy. Make them strengthen and strong without external stimulation but internal stimulation for we've heard it over and over greater is he that's in me 
than he that's in the world. Amen. Praise God to all of our guests, our family, our friends today. We greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and our Savior today. We believe that God has given us all purpose, everybody. And if we don't know it, we should be seeking it. And if we have it, we should be, we should be exercising it so that we become, so that we may become more involved in community, that we enhance our ministerial ability and that we be conscious of our own maturity. So you don't grow up just by accident. It's a process. There's a word from the Lord. Amen. Well, there's a word from the Lord in the book of Psalms, the 51st number. Psalms 51. Psalms 51, verses 4 and 5. Psalms 51, verses 4 and 5. Amen. This is a song that discusses David's personal issues. And I want you to hear it well. It says, against thee, thee alone, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou, thou, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Amen. I want to share this thought with you today. Uh, the essence of man, who we really, I should have said really, really are. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. Who we really, really, who are we? Who are we? Jane is married to Paul. But Jane is in an extramarital affair, which she has been in for the last four months. Paul loves to help people, but Paul only helps if he can put them on social media and he can gain new followers. Tracy and Jamie pretend that they are best friends. But behind closed doors, they gossip and they sabotage each other. Why do we act like that? What's really going on in our life? And I'm here to say with confidence that there are 100% there are of us that operate in all of these flaws, even today. Amen. Most of us think that we are basically good. I hear it all the time. I hear that many people, well, I'm basically good. And I'm here to let you know that with that mindset, you miss something that God has created just for us. He created grace for us, and if you are 
basically good. You, it, to say that means that you don't need all of his grace. I'm going to say it again because I don't think you got it. If you believe, and most of this is universal belief, if you believe that you're basically good, you really don't accept all of God's grace. And you're basically good means you give every once in a while. You say hi every once in a while to some people. But how do you really feel and operate in your mind and on what you do? David, and I have to say this, David is the apple of God's eye. And in this passage of scripture that we're reading right now, David responds and he's admitting his sin because the prophet Nathan has exposed him for who he really is. You know the story. David one day connected with a woman named Bathsheba, which was another man's wife, specifically one of his, one of the men in his army, David slept with her and then tried to cause him to then sleep with his wife so that nothing would be found out because he found out that she was pregnant. So he, he rushed to bring him out of the war so that he can sleep with his wife, but he was a faithful man. And didn't want didn't to have extra, he didn't want to have sexual contact with his wife while he was still in war. And David, and you know, the, you know the story, David put him out back in the war, but he put him on the front line in order that he may be killed. You may go, oh, that is a shame. David, that's a bad, that's a, that's a bad way to look at things. But hear me well, many of us think that way. Many must of has a dark side. Let me say that because that was actually wrong. All of us have a dark side. And the issue that we struggle with is that David here confesses his sin, but when he does it, he says this. He says, unto you, Lord, and you only, have I committed this sin? And when we look at this, David refers to his covenant with God. He refers to his covenant with God because, yes, he, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against the people of Israel. It was a public sin. But David recognized his inability to change himself. And he recognized that God was the only one who could make him righteous alone. He acknowledges that this is the way that I am, God. And I must obtain my righteousness from you. The heaviness of this scripture lets us know that he ultimately has to beg to God, creating me a clean heart. And renew the right spirit within me. Why do we want to do 
What we, why we do what we do is so important to our own mental health. Why we do what we do is so important to our own mental health. You have to know why. Because some things in our life was opposed upon us, but most things in our life are built in us. They, the, some people have had some dastardly and devilish things happen to them, but most of us have devilish and demon things that are in us. I've been reading this book called The Law of Nature by Robert Greene, and in this book, he begins to talk about some of the things that, it, that is inherent in every one of us. And I want to share, I want to share, I can't share all of them, but I want to share five of the things that all of us possess that are the essence of every one of us that really speaks to what's wrong with all of us. Amen. David makes it clear when he says, he says this and he makes it, he makes it specifically about him. He says that I was born in sin and I was shaped in iniquity. I came here with the wrong thing in me. I want to share this. Let's just get it, because I want to make sure that I get to all of them. But if I can't get to all of them, I'm definitely going to hold off and just share it next week. The first thing I want you to know is that each and every one of us are irrational. I'm going to say it one more time, because I want to be clear. I want, I want you to understand, number one, all of us, every single one of us, is irrational. Do you know what irrational is? Well, let me tell you. Irrational is, is that we think sometimes off the wall. We must master, watch, our emotional self. Much of our mental issue is, is that our emotions drive our decision making. Emotions drive our decision making. Do you not know that David, when he was, when he was spoken to by the prophet Nathan, when he was talking to the prophet Nathan, judged himself and didn't even know he was judging himself. Nathan said, hey, man, what would happen if, a, if somebody who had a whole lot went to somebody who didn't have much? What would happen? He said, that man ain't worth nothing. And he got an attitude, and he said, if I found him, I'd kill him myself. And Nathan said, you that man. The prophet had to tell him he was wrong because he didn't know he was wrong. He was irrational. In his thinking. And guess what? We're all irrational too. Why don't we always realize how emotions dominate how we think and how we control our life? We must accept that, I'm a, that I am an irrational person. Emotions are not immediately translatable. We don't always know that our emotions are in our decision making. Can't always describe our emotions. Sometimes it takes time to process it. Our emotion of fear lasts a long time and as life, and, and when we think about fear, if we don't let it go, if we don't let the emotion go, and I'm talking to everybody that's listening to me right now, fear has led most of our decisions. 
because we have been brought up with the perfection complex, we don't want to be wrong, and because we don't want to be wrong, every decision we make is made out of fear of failure, then fear, then, then joy of following God. There is no reason why 100% of us should be in a better place, be in a better relationship, be in better everything, but we were scared when the option came our way. How many doors have you let close in your face because you were scared to go through it and you made it religious while you didn't do it? You used the, the fact that I don't think God told me. No, what it was was you were scared and wasn't able to take it. You knew you might have failed and if you are, if you are honest with you, you ain't got to be honest with me. But if you're honest with you, you realize I've made a mess of my own life because I've been scared most of the time. I've been scared most of the time. And so it causes me to always feel anxiety. I can't even make decisions. I'm always worried about what that decision is going to do. Not that if I fail, so what? Because we haven't been brought up that way. We've been brought up that we always have to be the best. And can I tell you this, and if, this, if nothing else I say don't help, you ain't never got to be the best. I'm going to say it one more time because y'all ain't getting it. You don't ever have to be the best. You've been taught that all your life. You just got to be you. Because you are the best you gonna ever be and when you know who you are and you being the best you God always provide for you let me tell you why we stressed out we spend too much time trying to be him and her instead of us that brings anxiety in our own life second Timothy 1 and 7 says God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, of love, our mind. Anytime you feel fear in your life, that is not God. That is you creating your own circumstance. And whenever your circumstance is bigger than God, you always make a irrational decision. All of us are irrational. Rational people, when you are operating in rationality, you realize and you have to practice separating your emotions from your thinking. It helps you to make rational decisions. Can I tell you something? When we were studying on Wednesday night, one of the things that God has revealed to me is that when we look at the English way we read, the, the English, the Western way we read the, the Bible, nouns are important to us. English majors, help me because I may be wrong, but a noun is a person, a place, and a thing. But that's not important to the Bible because the Bible was, hidden, was written in Hebrew and Greek. And in Hebrew and Greek, the verb is important. The verb is the motivation and the process. I'm going somewhere. Westerners, when we put our spin on the Bible, we are always talking about people, places, and things. 
and the God and, and the Bible don't consider. You notice, you notice the Bible is good to say, and a certain man, and a certain woman. Why? Because people, places, and things are important to the, to the writers of the Bible, motivation and process. That's why we can't tithe yet. Tithing is a process. But because it ain't no people in tithing, ain't no places in tithing, ain't no things in tithing, we don't do it. So, so, but, but tithing is a process that will open up. Can I tell you why our, we are irrational? Our irrationality comes from our own bias. Our own bias. Our own bias. We have to recognize our biases. There's a reason why we're not growing in God and growing in the blessings that God have. We are suffering from not having the blessings we deserve, and it is because we need to recognize our bias. How do we feel about certain things and, and before we even know it? Let me share some of the biases that I think that makes a lot of sense. Number one, we have to deal with our appearance bias. We have to deal with our appearance, appearance bias because we see something and we immediately judge it. A man with his pants down to his butt, we immediately call him something. A man that come to you in a suit, a woman that's well-dressed, you automatically give them credit because of what they wear. Biases causes our emotions to mess up our thinking. That's why we, that's why it's easy to manipulate somebody who has a lot of biases. Because the right people, they always give you access. You know who I love, the people that when you come to their door and they go, I'm from, I'm from Calm Ed. They go, what's your ID? I got on, a, you know, I got on some work clothes. Let me see your ID. Give me your boss number so I can call. I ain't letting you in. Do you know that's how we ought to treat everybody? We shouldn't give nobody nothing until they prove themselves. But biases causes us to have judgment already. Number two, we have group bias. Most people go with whatever the group going. And because of that, it causes us to have irrational thinking. And my mama would say, if all, if everybody jump off the cliff, we have blame bias. It's easy, and we look for people to blame. It's got to be somebody's fault but mine. I must blame somebody, something for what has happened. Let me, let, me, let me give you these four things that help you. You got to write these down. I didn't put these on the slide. But these ways will help you help your irrationality, your bad way of thinking. Because what happens is once you make a decision and you get time to think about it, you know you could have done it a better way. And this will help you, first of all, accept that you're irrational. 
Know that you're real stupid sometimes. It helps you. It helped me. And make me pause before I respond. Because you can't take responses back. Every decision you can't take back. So he, you, you got to know that you are irrational. When your emotions are high, you ain't got to say nothing. Hold your tongue. That is a practice. Why? Why? Watch this. Know that, that the emotional being that thrives in you thrives off ignorance. Emotions thrive off ignorance. Can I tell you? Let me tell you. Let me give it to you from a church perspective. Folks don't care about reading the Bible. As long as the pastor tells me what I need to do, that's enough. I ain't mean to hurt nobody feeling, but the reality is we are irrational. That's why a pastor, when he knows his flock is gullible, will take advantage because you just want to give. You don't want to look at it just long as the pastor tells. Why? Because emotions thrive off ignorance. Number two, examine your, the, how you make decisions and how you react. Examine yourself and, and, and examine your reactions. Why do you act the way you do? Why are you always falling out with people? Why do you act the way you do? You got to ask yourself. You got to be honest with yourself. And then thirdly, you got to increase your reaction time. You got to slow down and not allow everybody to pick at you. I'm with a person the other day. The first thing in the morning, they come to me and, Pastor, I need this, I need this. I said, hold on. Have a seat. I'll be right back. I came back 30 minutes later. Well, number one, they were 45 minutes early. And what I had to do was go behind closed doors because they had gotten, they were trying to get to me. And I said, I don't want nobody else's energy today. So I came back and said, how can I help you? That's me knowing my own. So I had to take my reaction time. Number four, number four, if you're going to help, if you're going to, if you're going to help Control your irrational behavior because all of us are irrational. If you're going to control it, you're going to have to stop trying to change people. I'm going to say that one more time. You're going to have to stop trying to change people. You'll judge and create emotion, no chaos in relationships because people aren't the way. If you get ir irrational, they're irrational. And if you know that about you, you got to know you ain't got time. You ain't, not, not only can't you change people, you ain't got time to change people. That's why God says you got to love everybody, even when they ain't lovable. Because if they ain't lovable, you got to realize that you may be the one that is not lovable as well. And you have to not try to change people. David was in a re, he was in an irrational place that caused him to sin, but he didn't become irrational. 
He's always been irrational. Number two, this is everybody. Number two, everybody is like this. Everybody that's listening to me today is a narcissist. Come on, write it down. Yeah, everybody, everybody is a narcissist. A person who has an excessive interest in admiration for themselves. And some of us are deeper narcissists than others. From the moment we are born, David says, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. From the moment we are born, we have a need for it to gain attention. Somebody don't feed us, we holler. Somebody don't change us, we holler. And once we get the stimulus of hollering to get what we want, we perfect our holler. And some folks are grown still hollering. Still hollering, still trying to gain attention. We lie, we commit crimes, and we play the victim to get attention. We act, and if we can't get people to recognize us, we create opportunities to make a scene. I ain't talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. I realize that all of us has a need for attention. We want somebody to hear us. We want somebody to pay attention to us. But I need to let you know that that is why the word of God is so amazing. As we look at these things, these issues that we all come to the table with, it is important. That is why the word of God is so important. Do you not know in Matthew 6, six times, Jesus tells the people in the Sermon on the Mount about one thing he wants us to do every time we do it. He says, when you give, I want you to give in secret. Stop showing off. He says, when you pray, I want you to pray in secret. He's taming our narcissistic attitude. He says, when you fast, fast in secret. Because what I want you to do, if we're going to be true people of God, I want your worship to be for real. And I want, I want to address in you your own authenticity with your relationship with me. If you can do it in secret, then we have time to have a real relationship. Because I know who you are. I know you want to tell everybody you pray for them. I know you want to tell everybody you gave that $10. I know you want to tell everybody you fast. Oh, I'm all so hung out fast and our church fasting and we trying to fast and fast for that. And you promote your own self because you want to look holy. But true holiness is if you can do it and don't say nothing. Because that goes against your personhood your narcissistic personhood. 
Let me tell you something, a deep narcissist, those of you who are deep narcissists, and I know you in here and I know you online. The deep narcissists in here are self-righteous. They don't do nothing wrong. They don't see themselves doing nothing wrong, or at least they don't acknowledge their own wrong, but they know all your wrong. They're self-righteous. They're vengeful. They think you, they think you ought to go to hell for your actions. Anybody that thinks another person should go to hell is a narcissist. I ain't hear no amen. Because I know you didn't told a lot of people to go to hell. <laughs> Somebody said, I said it, but I ain't mean it. No, you can't get out of it now. Because if you think who ain't, ain't brought nobody into the world. And if you think that ain't died for nobody, and if you think that ain't saved nobody, if somebody ought to go to hell, that's narcissistic. Yeah, you thought you was good. Before this over, you ain't going to be worth nothing. But thank God, that's who you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. Narcissistic people seek vengeance. And they do this to hide their own insecurity. Narcissists are always, uh, they're all, it's always about them to be a narcissist. Attention is your survival. Narcissists are master manipulators. They know how to get what they get. And guess what? They seem intelligent because they are good listeners. But because they are manipulators, manipulators know how to hear why they're talking. When you're trying to manipulate a situation, I can hear you and talk at the same time. Because I ain't doing it because I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to what you're trying to say. I'm trying to override what you just said in that same conversation. But if you're not deep, if you're not a deep narcissist, you're a functional narcissist. That simply means that you ain't trying to get noticed, but you ain't mad if they do. You ain't trying to gain attention, but you sure ain't stopping it either. Oh, man, you are. Because <laughs> why would you do what you do? Why did you, get the, why did you get dressed the way you got dressed today? Because you wanted somebody to see you. Why did you buy what you bought? Because you wanted somebody to see it. That's narcissistic. But when you're functional, you listen to somebody every once in a while. But then there are those who are what is considered a healthy nar narcissist. They actually have empathy for someone else. They are narcissists, yeah, they, they like attention just like the next person. But they, they imagine other people's perspective. Romans 12. 15 and 16, look at this real quick. Romans 12, 15 and 16 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. 
Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. The Bible tells us that even though we are narcissists, rejoice with people while they rejoice. Let somebody else have a stage sometimes. Oh, Lord. You know, when, 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 when I just had a baby, uh, don't keep talking about when you had your baby. When I get a new car, don't talk about your car. Ask God to teach you how to shut your mouth and let somebody else have a stage sometime. We didn't know we were narcissists. We thought we was good. But even if you know how to hold your tongue, that just means you are a narcissist that know how to control. David said, in sin, I was born in sin. Shaped in the nigga. I recognize that this is who I am. And God doesn't take it away. What he does, he controls it. But not only that, not only that, if you need attention, you learn. What God is saying about you, you learn, you let, you let God share how important you are. That's why you will get, if you're a narcissist, you should love the word of God because God tells you how important you are. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship. You read Ephesians 2 and 10, he lets us know that because he's given us all these things, he shows us off. And you should be happy about the word of God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. Which, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. My narcissism has been encouraged by the word of God. That's where I, that's where I get my confidence from. Not because of who I am. I get my confidence because of whose I am so that's healthy that's healthy the world sees it arrogant but it's really healthy because I ain't saying I'm better than you I'm just saying in Christ I can do all things see that sounds narcissistic to the world but I'm saying and I'm prefacing the only reason I can do it is because it's through Christ Number three, number three, I got to finish these. Number three, we all have compulsive character flaws. Yeah. Compulsive simply means re resulting from the re relating to an irresistible urge. Compulsive means an irresistible urge. So if for, for the folk people in here who are compulsive liars, and the 10 people looking online who are compulsive liars, you don't have to lie, you just want to lie. Ain't nobody even ask you nothing and you lie. Have you ever told somebody, you ain't even had to tell that lie? You could have saved that for another day. Why? That's a compulsive character flaw. Compulsive liars, compulsive eaters. Compulsive gamblers. 
There's an irresistible urge that you have, and that's a character flaw. We all, we all wear masks. That's actually, that's actually another issue, but I combined it. We all wear masks. All of us wear masks. We've never seen the whole person. But unfortunately, uh, fortunately, our masks are broken because there always seeps out your emotions about things. It always seeps out how you feel about certain things. And everything that you see on Facebook and social media is not correct. Our character is formed in early, in early childhood and by daily habits. Character is built from childhood and by our daily habits. When you see your little children, when you see little children, they're, they're easier to, to formulate because you can create their habits every day. They don't learn it by accident. It is created in them. If you don't give them discipline, they'll grow up and not be reliable. Our character is stamped in us. We must recognize that our character is determined, that, our that we must understand that character is everything. When we choose an, uh, a work partner, when we choose a business partner, character is everything. When we choose an uh, intimate partner, character is everything. And you can't judge character on booty calls. Character is chosen over beauty, intelligence, and reputation. Character is most important. Because watch this, simply put, Actions repeated over time is the main indicator of someone's character. I'm going to say it one more time. Don't tell me who you are. What you do every day has just told me who you are. If you come to ministry and you got an attitude, the first week of the ministry. Then you come the next week and you still got an attitude but for a different reason. And then you come to the third week and you tired and you got an attitude the third week. Don't tell me you're a happy person. You can't tell me you are a happy person because every time you come, you got attitude. So your character flaw is that you have a bad attitude. And you can't tell me. The reason why I know you can't tell me because Luke 6.44 tell me. Luke 6.44 says every tree is known by its own fruit. And, you, and men don't go and get, get uh, figs from a thorn tree. And, and nor the, a bramble bush do they go and get grapes. You are known by the fruit you bear. Our compulsive, our, 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 our character is built because it is, it is, it is something that is, is done in us every 
something that we operate in every single day. You find yourself, and guess what? If you fall out with people every time you get with somebody, that's a character flaw. Every once in a while, you run into somebody, you got to tell them about themselves. But, but since I've known you, you fall out with everybody. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me. But I ain't talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. When we know who we are, we see everybody ain't did nothing to us. It's our character. Let me tell you something about uh, strong character. A strong character is somebody that never gives up. A strong character is somebody that is persistent. A strong character is somebody that is open to new ideas. So if those are strong characteristics, a weak character is somebody who is overwhelmed easily. Anytime they get a lot of work, they hide, they run and hide. That's a weak character. They are unreliable. You see they skill, but you can't count on them. They know how to do it. They just don't know how to commit to nothing. That's a weak character. And they're not open to learn from others because it, it, because it, impl it, it, it implies that, that, that they can be criticized or that they have shortcomings. Let me share something with you. And I want to I get to this. There are, there are some toxic character types that I want to pay close attention to. These are toxic people. They are here. They're online. You got to love them. You have to love them, but you got to be careful with them. Number one, the perfectionists. The perfectionists sound, they, they really sound dedicated, but really they control freaks. They got to have their hand on everything. And perfectionists will mess up your thing because they seem dedicated, but they're trying to control everything. They're not willing to hear it in another way. They want control over it. That's toxic. That's toxic. That doesn't bring the growth out of, of, the, of the group, of the church, of the family, because they are trying to control and manipulate everything. Just because they pay for it don't mean they want to pay for it. It means that they want to control it. Number two, the personalizer. The personalizer takes everything personal. Every time you say something, you're talking about them. You can say it's windy outside. Why are you saying that? You trying to say my hair ain't right? Everything you say is personal. So you fall out with them all the time because they try to make everybody guilty about how they think about certain things. They don't like free thinkers, and so they make them feel guilty because everything they say, if you say, I don't like green, and they got some stuff green, they want you to be, feel bad because you don't like green. So they personalize everything. Number three, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, but y'all know who it is. Number three, the drama magnet. There's a lot of them in here. I don't know how many online, but there's a lot of them in here. Drama. 
The only way they can get attention is to create some havoc. They have drama everywhere they go because they like being played as the victim. I know people that I used to work for, they were always calm. They always had a lot of information, but they would always start stuff with people. And then when you snap on them, they go, I just was trying to help. That's because, they, because attention is what they want, even if it's negative, as long as it's on them. Next is the big talker. Yeah, that's a top. That person is a toxic. That person has a toxic. They, they, they talk big, but they never do nothing. They, they talk big, they, but they never do nothing. They know everything about everything but they don't master anything. And the reason why they're toxic is because they waste your time. Big talker. Next person is the sexualizer. Yeah. And I thank God that they all in the house today. They all online, they all in the house. The sexualizer make everything about sex. And everybody they get in a relationship with, they try to push it towards sex. If you ain't that one, you know somebody who's that one. Now some people get they get in relationship with people, oh they nice. Oh, I like them. That's an internal flaw that we all have. Don't fake, don't fake like you don't know. But, they, but this person, because they try to steer everything into a sexual relationship and encounter. Let's not play the games because we're in church. We are, we came out the world. So don't act like we ain't part of that no more. It's still in us. Next is the pamper prince or the princess. Folks been taking care of you so long, you ain't can't do nothing. Folks been helping you so long, you don't know how to do nothing. And you think that everybody's supposed to help you. That everybody's supposed to. You are overindulged, giving too much attention growing up, and you think everything revolves around you. And you get depressed when it ain't about you. See, some depression ain't, 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 ain't chemically. Some of it is because we don't know who we are and we don't know the issues that we deal with. But some of us have been princesses and prince and we can't, we done been, we done been given so much and what happens is whoever been pampering you, the minute they die, you find out that life ain't what you thought. The minute they can't do it no more, you find out what life is all about. Amen. Number four. Number four. I'm rushing. I'm rushing. But all of us, number four, all of us are covetous. All of us are covetous. Religious words saying we always want something somebody else got. 
all of us are like that. Luke 12, 15 says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetedness, for man's life consists not of the abundance of things which he possessed. You ain't got to have everything. And you don't, you want to control that covetous man that lives in each and every one of us. We are marked by continued desire to possess what we do not have. The object projected by our fantasies. We see other people with stuff and we want what they have. We see commercials with stuff that we, they, we want what we see. It is our nature to desire things we do not have. But, at, but once we get it, we become distracted and we want something else. We live by the grass is always greener on the other side. And if that's your character flaw or if that was your character flaw, because some of us have gotten better at it now through age or through life experiences, or through good relationships, we start to understand we don't have to have everything. But let me share something with you. The spirit of covenantedness is not just an inward character flaw, but it is also a spirit of this world. Man, I'm going to hit you with this. It's also the spirit of this world. Watch this. That's why you can be looking for a job for two years. And don't nobody say nothing to you. And the minute somebody say they want to hire you, three more job offers come in. That's the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world wants us to be covetedness. To be co I was just in marital, I was just in a marital session about two weeks ago, and, and they were talking about the minute they decided to get married, and they went out to this party, they were at a bar, and when they went out to the to the bar, the girl said, in, the, in that week, damn near everybody she had a relationship with came back into her life. And I said, you know why? Because the, the enemy don't want you to pick nobody. It's going to keep bringing back so that you can want what you ain't got. That is the spirit of this world. And it brings us and it makes us want to be coveted. Why? Because you can't have everybody. You're going to have to decide on somebody and be committed. That is the reason why some marriages can't stay together because you got something at home that's good. But it seems like it's somebody else that can give you two more percent out in the street. You ain't getting it all in the street. If you got something good at home, you ain't getting that much out on the street. Because at least the person at your house know you. Because <laughs> not only are you putting up with them, but they putting up with But it lets us know this. Watch, watch what it says about us. This is what I understand about me, is that I'm driven by desire 
more than right. Possession don't drive you. Desire drives you. A man's desire is what gets them to get up in the morning. A man's desire is, is what keeps them up at night. Their desire is what drives Having stuff don't drive you. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5 says this, let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For ye have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He lets us know, let your conversation be without what I need, what I need. Why? Because I'm always there with you. And if you ain't got it, that means you don't need it because I will supply what you ain't got. That keeps me calm when I can say, I don't need another car. I don't need another house. I don't need another suit. I don't need some more shoes. And then I don't get mad. Do you not know that the Bible tells wives, don't push on your husband to keep buying you stuff. Don't st a, a virtuous woman will not overwork her husband in order for her to live the way she want to live. She will appreciate what he's able to do. And if she didn't appreciate what he was able to do, you should have got somebody who was doing better. I'm gone because y'all didn't get mad at me already. <laughs> lastly, lastly, I want to say this, number five. Now, all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set the tone because it's not the world all the time that's doing We were born in sin. We come to the table with these issues at hand. Number five, and this is big for me. This is big for me because this is the faith piece of what I'm saying today. Number five, short-sightedness. That's an issue in our life, short-sightedness. Short-sightedness is the biggest issue that we operate in. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God says, I can't have you seeking after or worrying about what you see that's right in front of you. Hear me when I tell you this, because this is going to change your life, because this is, the, this, is, this is one of the major factors of our anxiety and our depression, is that we are short-sighted. We are not just human beings, but we are also spiritual beings and divine beings. It is our spiritual perspective that should be the dominant factor in our life. But if our human, if our human being is the, the dominant factor, we will all... Our human being has too much to say when it comes to this. Our human man, by overemphasizing your present condition, you make it too big, and it causes you to stumble and stop. Whenever you overemphasize what, where you're at, it makes you, it makes you lose perspective and stumble and stop. 
As you stand at the base of any mountain, all you can see is the issue. But if you ever get at the top, you come with a different view. I remember I was on a plane once before, and um, when we were on the plane, I, I, I saw a train go by while we were going up. While we were going up, I, I, I immediately thought, man, just earlier that week, I had got caught by a train. And you know them long trains, you know sometimes you get to them trains, they be so long, you had cut the call. You be mad because you're trying to get around them. Then, then you like, okay, I'm going to beat it to the next, next uh, uh, traffic light. I'll go. But then when you look around, the folks then got behind you. Can't cut no U-turn. You can't do that. Then you get mad. You got to wait. Why? My emotions kick in based on my circumstance. But when I was on the plane, I noticed something. That while I was on the plane, the more it kept getting higher, the more the train kept getting small. Now, now, now watch this. The higher I got, we got 30,000 feet. I couldn't even see the train. It may have been this big. That was because my perspective had changed. And when your perspective changed, the stuff that's in front of you ain't the biggest thing to you. Oh, Lord, I wish it was somebody that knew what I was talking about. This ain't the first time I didn't got a bill, so I can't fall out over them calling me this time. I, this ain't the first time that somebody didn't say something out of line to me, so I can't fall out uh, when they say something this time. I can't fall out because my perspective is too big for this. Get a panoramic view, and that's what God wants us to have. He says, I want you to have faith. Don't get caught up in the stuff that you can see, but get caught up in the stuff that you can't see. You are easily deceived and taken off track by things that are happening. The news is playing all day long. You cannot listen to that and think you're going to have a healthy vision of the world because they're not trying to find good, uh, feel-good things. They may find one once a week and everything else is hell and damnation. It takes you off track. Every time somebody tells you about getting rich quick, you jump on board. Why? Because that's a right now thing. Anything that is get rich quick will break you quick. They well, let, me, let me put it this way. This is better. Get rich quick means the person that you're talking to, to finna get rich off you. That's what they really mean. Oh, man, you want to make some money? Give me $1,000 and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put it here and it'll grow. Every get rich queen scheme I've been on made somebody else rich. So guess what? When you come, I don't go with three card Molly nine. I used to be sitting getting close. I see that. I see that ace. I see it. All I did was get him something to eat that day. Short-sightedness. Short-sighted. I'm going to make a point and then I'm done. Romans 12 and 2 says this. Conform to this world. But be ye transformed. By what? The renewing of your mind. Not only that, that ye may be able to do what? Prove what is that what? 
good and acceptable and what? Perfect will of God. God tells us, don't get caught up with the world. Let me show you something by allowing me to renew your mind because I want you to grow up and mature so that you are able to prove. Do you know what prove means? When, 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 when they make um, fruit of the loom, I don't know if anybody wear them. But when they stamp it, it should say that was made right. It was made right because it got a stamp on it. God said, if you stay with me and you let me make, get your mind right, I'll show you how to see what I have. See, I will, change, I will create in you eyes that will see my stamp every time. Do y'all know? Do what, anybody ever heard of the Titanic? If you heard of the Titanic, what you probably may not know is you know it sunk, right? You know it sunk on the first time, right? First time it went out in the water, it sunk. But did you know that the metal, the steel that they used was never tested? They were in such a hurry to get that boat on the water that they forgot to test it. And don't you know anything that's worth anything need to be? Anything that's worth anything. You ain't worth nothing. I ain't worth nothing until I get to, man, you don't, you can't go by what nobody, nobody's job. That could be a look. That, your uncle could get you that job. I tell every married person, make sure your partner, you didn't seen them go through some trouble. Don't marry nobody till you see what they can handle. Because guess what? They may have a good job when you get married, and they may lose and then can't get back on their feet because they ain't never been tested. You're short-sighted when you, when you allow your emotions to choose before the reality of your spirit man has confirmed whether people are who they say they are. We have to be careful. What does short-sightedness do? It causes us to give up before our blessings come. Short-sightedness causes us to give up hope before our blessings come. Why, is some, why can some people stay in the, in the game. And then years later, you see the benefit and some people quit right at the start line because short-sightedness will cause us to have that. We have to be careful of these people in our life that hold us back because they are short-sighted. That is why you can't tell everybody what God has called you to do. Because short-sighted people will get mad at you and tell you why you shouldn't be doing it. Let me end by saying this. Let me end by saying this. This is something we have to be careful of in our own life when it comes to short-sightedness. We cannot be unintended, we cannot be surprised at unintended consequences. Life is too complex for you to think you ain't gonna have no problems down here. 
Life is too complex. You are naive to think that life is simple. Problems will come. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how bad you think you are. Problems are consistent. So we can't get caught up in issues. Our, our vision has to be longer so that this don't matter as much. It's got to be longer. Next, next, we can't go through tactical hell. We can't argue with everybody about where we going. If you don't want to ride, stand to the side. I just made that up. I just made that up. Put that down. If you don't want to ride, let me tell you something. Just don't get in the way of my car. I'm trying to tell you where I'm going. I, I, I'm okay going by myself, but I don't want to hear your, so I'm not going to argue with you because I can't let short-sighted people stop me. Pastor, you shouldn't be doing this. Pastor, you, didn't, this, you shouldn't be doing this. How do you think that God can allow hope to be on cutting-edge stuff every time problems come? Hope is always in the middle, in the front of everything. Why? Because ministry has, come, has, has taught me that I don't wait on people's approval when God has already told me what to do. Person, places, and things are not my design. What God wants me to do is understand his motivation and his process. Number three, I cannot get involved and have ticker tape fever. I cannot allow too many distractions. I can't stay on social media all day, and I can't let news and other things focus my future. The Lord is telling you to get involved. Then just when you're about to get involved, the news say, you know, this going to happen. And then you go, okay, wait. I'm going to wait. Uh, the Lord says, step out on faith and do this. And then you hear, oh, it's a recession coming. Or you hear somebody getting, losing a job and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you back down. Why? Because your present mind is right at the foot of the hill, not at the top of the mountain. Lastly, we can't get lost in trivia. One of the, one of the worst things that has come in this life is the fact that we know too much now. I'm gonna say that, I'm gonna say that again. I'm done, I'm done. We know too much now. Our kids know too much now. And that, that will handicap you because too much detail will, it will paralyze you. It will cause you to become frightened it will cause you to not walk by faith and you walk by sight. Too much information. And so when we look at this, this essence of man, we know that all of us have some issues, especially these five. And it's okay that you got them because you ain't getting rid of them. But the God that we serve will help you to control them. Because guess what, guess what? I don't care who you are, the way God made you, you can keep on cutting on yourself and trying to make yourself look different. 
with that big water head and fat nose and fat lips and little bitty ankles and little uh, toes and big feet and hands, you're going to have to love who you are. Because what it does, it puts an anxiety in us that is hard to get off of us. That's the reason why we've been talking about it's okay to, to not be okay because we don't have to be perfect. When I was really judging people, when I was really judging people, I would look at a husband and wife and I'm like, how he get her? Well, I would say, how, why would she bother with him? And I know y'all I, I know don't do it. But I do it. I admit, I admit that I'm flawed. But now that God has helped me to control my judgmental mind, now I can appreciate the fact that even though things don't look perfect, God has a way when you're with him to make it work. When you're with him, he will, he will provide and he will do things. But you got to love what you have. And that, that's why we can't be coveted. We can't be covetous. We got to learn how to love what we have. It's okay to want something else, but Don't make that your whole life going to get stuff instead of growing stuff. That's why, that's why he wants us to understand that we're all narcissists. We want to be seen. We want to be seen, but calm it down, son. Do it and do it. Keep doing it. But now let me show you how to do it in silence. And you know what? This is how... This is how much God loves you. He said, for those of you who are willing to pray in your secret closet, I will let your narcissistic behavior be satisfied every once in a while. Because what you pray in secret, I will bless you. See, it's one thing when you promote yourself. But it's another thing when God He know we narcissists. He already know it. And guess what? You ain't got the act saved. Stop carrying that Bible. You ain't read it yet. Let God do what he do. He know who we are. He know, Stop faking like we got it and know that God is the supplier of everything we need. Short-sightedness. Covetedness. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Yeah. Com compulsive character flaws. Narcissism. All of that stuff. David said, in, I was born in sin. I was shaped in it. Lord, I can't change myself. Created me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. I want my mind to be right. If nothing else, if we leave here with a consciousness that God has made me all right, not because of me, but because of him.
Those of us who are here today, I want you to know that God loves you. We want you to stop trying so hard to be right and take more time loving who you are and letting God manifest the blessings that he want to have in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. But after our prayer, everybody needs to make a decision. Everybody needs to make a decision. Who are you? Who are you? And who's going to help you with you? God is the only one. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come right now. We thank you today. We thank you for the privilege of you loving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for keeping us. God, thank you for just being so good to us. I don't know why. I don't know why you love us. I don't know why you love us. We're narcissistic. God, we have character issues. God, we're short-sighted. We're irrational. We make mistakes. We talk too much. We're scared about everything. God, teach us how to stand. Teach us how to live in the kingdom with you, not just with talk that is not of conversion, but that with a real strong calmness that, God, you are alive and that your word is true. God, I thank you today. God, there may be somebody here that needs you in the pardon of their sin. Online, that needs you in the pardon of their, of their sin. Let them click the join button and, and, and get that information into us. If they're in the house, let them come and just acknowledge that I want to be saved. But then those who are here who are saved and know that you are not what you think you are. That God, we would kneel to our feet and say, God created us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.